guys hear me? Yep. Yes. Okay, I can't hear you, so give me a sec here. Put him out to pasture. We can't, can't walk in, he can't hear. Yeah, it's time to get rid of him. <laughs> I'm glad I'm recording this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a, a big bottle of glue next to my desk. GHZ super stick. <laughs> I'm gonna mount his fucking femur bones over my mantle. Golly. <laughs> and his his one broken ankle. You could donate the rest of his body to a morgue where a guy likes to be a necrophiliac and become a super zombie. Yeah. Super. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I feel like that'd be the the best like going out present Brick could have is mm-hmm. is to start the zombie apocalypse, right? Yeah. Like what it, it is going on here. God damn it. You, you didn't you didn't offer yourself to Galagog. That's what's going on. Yeah, ball. You should have offered Sad. that hair. You gotta you gotta pay tribute to Galagog, but you gotta listen to him also because voice mod shit came back on. You gotta uh, give him your hair. That's yeah. all he wants really is your hair for some yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a technically, hair fetish. Technically he don't even want your kid. He just wants you to 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 give your kid his tribute so he can be like, nah, bro, I'm not that kind of like I don't really want that kind of tribute. That thing looks like a fucking Wendigo so hard, bro. I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a forest demon. It was awesome. Big Daddy Forest God. It's a Ricky operation. Ricky. We're not the recording. Wiki. Ricky Booby. I mean, technically we're recording. Oh, but we record like recording, recording. This is the prequel. Stupid. Yeah, this is the prequel to the sequel. Oh, this is fucking great. Which is That's just the, the we, that, we, we that original. I made yeah. that up just now, dude, out of nowhere. That was kind of good. Come on. Prequel the... to the sequel. That's yeah. us. Yeah. We're yeah, that original. Shit, so hang on. Leave the chat and come back. Well, he can't hear me. Hold on. I'm sucker. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he, he did. Yeah. He's like, nah, bro. Fuck it. I'm going to. I'll talk to this dude by myself. I don't give a fuck. Fuck y'all, you bitches. I'm going to mute everybody. <laughs> Make y'all watch us talk. <laughs> He'll be like, who are all these people? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know, man. Some hangers-ons. <laughs> they make my coattails heavy. I just start talking about <laughs> me. Club, where we are the ones who were bitten by Bun Bun. For this evening's festivities, I am the Prince de Sats, your witch doctor of doom, Travis Maxoboon, and I'm joined by your pal Grindhouse Zombie, also known as the other Brent. <laughs> I'm Ralph Innocent's deep, smoky, 
callous to gullet. <laughs> and I'm the fool known as Trevor. Oh, oh, oh. 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 Trevor edit. with the jump in. I love yeah, it. Edit, edit. No, right. no, 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 edit. Leave it in. Trevor's jumping you during this intro. Yeah, let him, let him jump, let him he jump just, in, man. He jumped the shark. It's been <laughs> no, no, it's good. Thank it's God good. we did that a long time ago. <laughs> Grindhouse. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and tonight we are collectively reveling in misrule and bending the knee to Galagog. For we have with us the filmmaker behind such works as The Devil Inside, The Boy, Brahms, The Boy Too, and last year's beloved by the horror community smash hit, Orphan First Kill, the fucking prequel I never knew I wanted. And good God. That's right, folks. Talking with us tonight about his upcoming film, Lord of Misrule. We have director William Brent Bell. Thank you for visiting the nightclub. Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I suspect that there was a lot of revelry whenever y'all were done making this movie. A lot of people dancing around in costumes and drinking. And I'm just going to imagine oh, yeah. that. If that. Oh, yes. Good. Good. I'm glad. Good. Yeah, for sure. Good. I've got some pictures. <laughs> oh, great. I hope we see those on the socials because, yeah, um, I imagine this movie was a lot of fun to make. But uh, before we talk about Lord of Misrule. For our audience's sake, is something that I like to do. I wanted to get a little history of horror. Take us back in time, if you will, and where? When did you first get a, like uh, I don't know, indoctrinated with the horror? Because you're a horror genre guy at this point. You've just been pumping out. You've made more movies than I listed that are horror films. So, what was your earliest introduction to horror films? I mean, as young as I can remember. Um, my I have a sister who's about five years older, and you know product of divorce and so my babysitter was kind of scary movies it really was and you know things like trilogy of terror and halloween all those are like really early memories for me that i never really could shake which is you know part of the fun of this genre is so many people probably you guys included have some strange memory that you can't shake of like one of the first horror films that affected you and then you know i came out to um los angeles was writing and just learning about film and started writing more as like kind of we were we had a writing partner at the time we were doing kind of studio movies and we had a movie stay alive that we wanted to make and it just got to a point where you know, you're putting scripts on a shelf and you're not you know those movies aren't getting made and I was like I'm not really I didn't want to be a writer I want to be a filmmaker I want to be a storyteller and um so I was like, oh, you know, we want to make this movie stay alive. And originally it was like a $2 million movie, half that going to the game in the movie. And um, and then just in introducing it to people, by the time we shot it, it was like a kind of a mini studio movie. So that was like 2005. And so pretty incredible learning experience. And then from there, it was just it was just developing horror ideas Um and we got to a point to where it was, it was, you know, it's, that's one thing that's great about this genre is you can kind of tell any type of story, any type of way, and it still can fit in the spectrum of horror. And, um, and so many times the best ones, you know, or people try to argue that they're not horror films, Jaws or Get Out. It's like, well, it's not really a horror film. It's like, well, of course it is, you know? And so 
So for me, it's it's always been this kind of struggle of getting everybody to believe in horror, you know, uh, because as soon as there's like a successful film in the genre, everybody and backs away. They think it they think it's a it's a fluke, and it never is. And uh, you know, we always joke about like every six months, horror is back. And it's, you know, it's never gone anywhere. And I think only now, I really do think now I've noticed it with execs and certain producers and reps to where they're like, oh yeah, it's, 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 it's here. Like we're not like, it's, you know, we're not pretending it's going to go away again. Um, so that's pretty exciting, even though it's been kind of my life already. Um, it's cool to know that they see the, um, you know, value in horror. With a lot of, especially, I, I would say, like when we talk about it on this show all the time, indie hits like Skin of Marine, The Outwaters, the Terrifier films, those yeah. movies are like made for shoestring budgets and based on you know what they what they're made for and what they end up making in the theater. Plus the horror, even the mainstream horror movies from the bigger studios, nine times out of ten, horror is in that that top ten at the box office. There, it's yeah. doing it's doing the damn thing. Yeah, and we're always treated kind of like you know, the stepchild they don't want and they, and they think they can just make a quick buck off these movies while they kind of spend their time and energy on more like they're already more artful films, perhaps that they think are more artful. And, um, and, you know, and it gets a bit frustrating after a while, but it's like, you know, we're paying the bills for you guys being able to make your Oscar run. So, and, and the more attention they give us, whether it be distributing and, and getting behind movies like terrifier or fully doing you know studio movies like smile it's um it's getting better and better for so in so many ways and i think last year was kind of one of my favorite years for mm, yes for the genre in general we've said it a, a number of times uh we're 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 in the midst of a horror renaissance and i think we have been for some time yeah, yeah i do yeah well it's 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 always hard for me to hear that horror feels like a stepchild um because i certainly don't feel that way i will tell you this and i mean this if you feel like a stepchild you got a lot of stepdaddies so we are <laughs> here for all of it um and even things like say smile for example you know it, we had those look the quote-unquote bigger horror movies i mean those are in in terms of what the studios spend what we see that they spend and i, and I think probably ultimately it's probably a lot more um there's still you know, not not really given enough fish food for the whole bowl. So for us, I mean, we are people that we live to keep horror alive. So for my chair, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I appreciate what you do because if I can't go out to the theater or I can't go to my video on demand and I can't see something new and creative and inventive, it it sort of takes a toll on me. Um, but as I said, I'm not the I'm not the lore fan here. I, lore is usually not my thing this was fucking fantastic and it made me think of so many things that i had to do even call it the three minutes of research on just to fill this little gap in my head and that's yeah. for me as somebody who is not a lore fan that is super impressive so um as we get into it i mean we're gonna we're gonna go at nauseam but i mean it, all <laughs> things being equal well done oh well, thank you and so much of that's tom deville the uh you know, the guy who wrote the script, uh, that was one of the first things I noticed. Well, I mean, just the kind of pagan UK. I mean, they, you know, they really do this stuff. I don't mean like the sacrifice stuff so much. They did. Right, right. 
but the but these crazy festivals, you know, with fire and it's really like it's really dark and fun. I wish we did more of that here in a fun way. Oh, you but, can come um, to Louisiana. And come to Louisiana. Mardi yeah, Mardi Gras, <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, a lot of this movie reminded yeah. me of home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> to be honest. And, and it's like, you know, the the, the mythology of it, I will, like you say, we'll get into it. But I, I noticed it pretty quickly in the script going, oh, this feels familiar but completely original which is what's so interesting and difficult to achieve you know so it's not like so different that people aren't going to buy into it but at the same time it's highly unique and even a word like galagog you guys said that word like you can't even search for that word on the internet and that's pretty hard to do you know like i mean you can search for it you can't find anything like it's just he did a great job in creating something unique but still grounded in you know a, a mythology that's been around since Roman times. Before mm-hmm. we before we get into Lord of Misrule proper, which for everyone listening is going to be in theaters and video on demand on December eighth this year, twenty twenty three. So get your tickets. Go see it in the movie theater. Honestly, yeah. like find it yeah, near go. you and go go watch it in the theater. Um, that's yeah. that's the way to watch this movie. But rent it at home. I mean, but but if you can go to the go to the fucking movies. Um, before we do that, we are going to see it. (laughs) I'm going to. Is it is it playing near us? I hope so. I sure hope. Go find out. We gonna Um, find out, huh? Before we do, I just wanted to ask real quick: What are some of your favorite horror movies of all time? Halloween's. I mean, I guess if I had to choose one, I would say Halloween. You know, Um, and mostly because of the kind of Hitchcock quality to that movie. Um, As the movies progressed, I. You know, I felt like in a way, Michael Myers kind of became and a lot of the characters do. They become a bit of a caricature of themselves and the studios take the movies over and they're not necessarily. I mean, so many times the auteur behind these movies doesn't continue making the films, you know, and um, luckily now we've had enough time where Carpenter's come back and played around with it. You know, it's, it's time's gone by, but it's I like can't... that movie was so different, you know, and uh, such a slow burn. And, you know, he really killed a few people at the very end right except for a couple of scattered here <laughs> and i love the second one too the two of them together is like rocking one and two to me and um like i mentioned trilogy of terror because it was something that just stuck with me uh or maybe it, the the um on abc it was an abc special i'm sure you guys are kind of familiar with it, at least some of you but it was a a three-part like three half an hour shorts all starring karen black and the one about this crazy zulu doll was something that you know, it terrified me until I was like 10 years old. I was afraid to dangle my feet on a couch because I thought that the little doll was underneath the couch and was going to cut my feet off at the ankles. I mean, I really mm-hmm. thought <laughs> feel that feeling. But um, things like The Omen, uh, more recently, like Get Out, like so many great movies. I love what they were, I mean, you know, Hereditary made me want to kill myself, but it was <laughs> so, <laughs> so dope. Setting mood. And 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 showing you like to me, I was like, that's such a great example to me of what horror is, because that's a drama, you know, that's that's uh, ordinary people or something. Yet you're seeing the moments that you don't see in ordinary people, like a cut to the girl's severed head covered in ants. That's why it becomes horror, because we're showing you or he's showing you terrifying sides to what would normally be drama or comedy or anything. And uh, Friday the 13th, like the original, like all. Oh. all I have, I think I have a pretty um, 
commercial sensibility to what got me into horror. Like the stuff that worked, worked on me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and as those movies evolved, I became maybe less interested. Um, but that's why I'm, I mean, I'm excited. I'll be interested to see what they do with the series, you know, the, the Friday 13th series. Like is it, you never know. Um, but I'm excited to see it, see how it turns out. I can't wait for Lord of Misrule seven Galagog in space. <laughs> direct, direct, directed by alan smithy <laughs> alan smithy no yeah oh yeah we'll do it to Some, him. somebody's gonna be there and they're gonna be like throwing their hat on the ground and like fuck it this is not what the script called for and yeah, he's gonna hellraiser bloodline his way out of there um yeah bro that is when you know you've made it when your series goes to space that's when you hell know yeah. that you you are part of you become foundational horror when your series goes to space. I'm <laughs> very seriously about Orphan that way. You know, it's like, when's she going to go to space? Like, <laughs> one, Let's go ahead and dive into Lord of Misrule. I want to let everybody know this movie again, saying it. I'm going to say it thrice in this episode. This movie's coming out December 8th, everybody. Get your tickets. Rent it. Mm-hmm. Video on demand. Go to the theater. Whatever you got to do. If you have not seen tonight's film... What you're going to want to do is you wanna, you're going to want to celebrate the pagan traditions. You're going to want to pull a lock out the back of your head and offer it up to Galagog and get bit by Bun-Bun, the little bunny. Okay, just get bit real quick. If you haven't seen tonight's film, Lord of Misrule, cry off the podcast now. And let the ritual begin. First thing I want to say about this movie, real quick, and, and I, less, listeners, this is not going to be our normal two and a half hour deep dive into this film. We're going to have a conversation about this movie more so. Um, probably a little linear, but we'll see how it goes. But my first impression was that this was like a love letter to folk horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, Big time. And I know I can, I'm speaking just for, for myself at the moment. Love folk horror. Mm-hmm. Not saying no one else here does does or doesn't. Stop but... saying I don't love folk horror, you son of a bitch. <laughs> love folk horror and love love cosmic. I can say that for Ricky. Yeah. Um yeah. but uh I didn't know I loved folk horror until this movie. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's honestly it's for everybody. It really is for everybody. I'm gonna it's gonna be one of my daughter's first horror watches. Really? I already oh. made I made that decision. It's it's good enough and then there's not it's not like too bad. Yeah. She's ten, so like She's at an age where she's already watched like Coraline and Nightmare for Christmas. And I think this is going to be her first step into like hardcore major. Yeah, because there is some some blood. There is some some gore. But no, but I like that. She'll be okay with the gore, though, I think. I didn't even think think about it that way. Yeah, this could actually be like a. Yeah, this could be introductory in a sense, (laughs) for sure. Fucking Um, and it would be a hella good introductory as a slow burn also mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's paced so perfectly, but we're going to, if we don't draw, get started, it, it, drew me in the, yeah, it. It, it drew me in the entire movie. The, it was the yeah. best slow burn ever. Like oh, there was yeah. never a part where I was like, Oh, is this going to end? I was like, no, give me more. 
Dude, like, I was. More. I want more. I was like this watching it <laughs> the whole time, face yeah, glued yeah. to the screen. Definitely hey, go one for it, Trevor. Little funny buddy. thing. Um, by the way, it's like we screened it like a couple weeks ago. You know, it was great packed house, and it was like there it was kind of standing room only in the back. When I I went back to kind of check it out from a distance, you know, like to see the room or whatever. And I was standing there for like five, 10 seconds. And then some guy tapped me on the shoulder and he was like, would you please like move, sit down or something? I can't see. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, <laughs> I love that. You know, <laughs> like uh, the fact that this guy was so hooked, so, so dialed in that he did not want me in front of him for even a second. Did he so, know who you were? Uh, no. That's, <laughs> <all you. laughs> um, that's amazing um, yeah one of the producers was sitting behind behind that guy and i heard him laugh because he saw it happen but to me it was it was great because i was like wow yeah everybody's so locked in uh which is you know also part of what's great about being in a theater right like you, you're you're required to be locked in but it's great to hear you guys kind of felt that way you know even from oh. the privacy of your own your own oh, home. when this first starts you can't help it i mean you can't help but be locked in because this is one of those movies, and I, we've talked about this as a nightclub. If you're not paying attention, you're going to miss something, mm-hmm. and it's going to change the outcome completely for you. So you have to pay attention. This is for for everybody that I hope that goes to see this, even if people do it at home, put your iPad and your phone and all the other crap away and just focus on this because you need to because you will miss one small detail, and you will be like, I don't know how we got here. Because you miss that one tiny detail. And be, that for me is a great movie. I love those kind of movies. It's like sprinkled in because this movie is like like Ricky said, a slow burn. It's got the folk element with the mythology building. It's got the slow burn aspect. It's got the mystery aspect because and the tension. Oh, d- yeah, great and the tension. tension. And it's when you said this movie's familiar but original, I know what you mean because there is the folk horror aspect of it that's like wicker man right and now right, we're, right. L- listeners we're going to get into spoilers here spoiler territory where the town is in on it um and this is like i i know and like you said it's not like there's a great switch all of a sudden and there's not you're yeah. following with rebecca and slowly piecing together like with one thing set after another one interaction after another that they're all in on this this honestly um and I, if I ever got to talk to Ari Aster, I'd, I would say the same thing to his face. This is the kind of movie I was hoping Midsommar was going to be. And I love that movie. I do love that movie. But this this is more my folk horror realm than that. This is like the witch, the ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This, this is probably the best folk apostle. horror. Apostle. This I got my... all those vibes, dude, straight up. Mm-hmm. You know, and the setting of the town, the town feels so – it must be a real town because it feels so lived in. Mm-hmm. And like a set – the set piece is amazing. Where did y'all film this movie? It was uh, – it's a town called Albury, which is about an hour north of London and a village. Um, and originally, you know, when I when I was – we were prepping, there was, you know, different ideas of where to shoot it around there. And I thought we'd have to shoot it in an area where – at the end of the day, I'd be cobbling together different areas to make it feel like a village. And right when I got off the plane, they're like, we just got access to this one village. They said they'd be interested in us filming there. And so just walked in and it was just day one of prep walking they were, around. They were village. like, here's Galagog. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, it was just like 
you know, like filming on a back lot or whatever. And the church overlooking the town and um, everything about it was just like, this is crazy. We get to film, you know, the whole movie in this one place and using the real locations for the real locations. I mean, you know, it was, it was um, well, like kind of a once in a lifetime thing, you know, hopefully not, but up to this point. And mm-hmm. the actors and actresses y'all got for this, there's uh Tup- Tuppence. I'm saying mm-hmm. her name, right? Yeah. Middleton, Middleton. Um, y'all got Ralph Innocent, who if anyone doesn't know, I mean, you just you hear that man and yeah. you know, you know who he you is. You might not know his name, but you know his voice. Oh my yeah. lords. Um what's uh the actor who plays Henry? Um That's Stoko. Stoko. Okay, I was confused on how to say his name. And the other one, uh the other key actress in this movie is um You think E. Holton. Grace as Grace, yep. Grace, yes. We, we got that's our like key sort of players in the movie, and the town that the the character actors that like flesh out everything else make it feel so real and so lived in. Oh, the set design is amazing. Everything feels like 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 Innocent's house, um, uh, Jocelyn Abney's house. It's like that dude's clearly been living there for decades. It yeah, just right. feels that authentic and that that awesome so it i don't know man like i was watching this movie honestly with an extra like microscope on it because i knew we'd be talking and i'm paying attention to a lot more um of the production of the movie than i normally do on a first watch Uh, first watch is kind of the experience which this gave me an experience second watch is usually when i start to pay attention to stuff like that so i was noticing these things but I think it does have something to do with that that folk aspect. You want to see how real this world feels. And it's you y'all created a real world here. Like it, it it's it's mind blowing. To 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 give the listeners just real quick a, a like a setup, because we're we're just blowing this movie and we haven't even begun to explain it. Um Rebecca and her husband Henry moved to the village of Barrow, and and this is in England, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they are, uh, well, uh, Miss, they call them Mr. and Mrs. Vicar the whole movie because they're vicars. Uh, well, she's a vicar, I guess. Right. Um, And they've been there for about a year, a little over a year, I believe. And their daughter, Gracie, or Grace, they call her Gracie, she gets bit by Bun Bun, the little bunny. I just love that part. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, not, not because she's bleeding. I just like that she looked over at the rabbit and was like, Bun Bun. And that's Bun Bun. <laughs> Bun Bun's Bro, the best. I was so worried about Bun Bun for a minute there. Uh, she wanted a, that hair. She wanted a, that hair. <laughs> there's a reason Bun Bun bit her. <laughs> so, uh, um, well, but that's the whole thing. It, when the, when it starts, everything seems. I mean, even 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 as she you know cuts a piece of her hair, everything seems very young and enthusiastic and and pure to a sense. Until she goes out to the to the rabbit cage, and then it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. But I but I think that I mean that for me was a, a like a big part of what grabbed me right right off the gate. Like we're gonna have a small child murder a rabbit to start the like. Mm. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. Let's. But then it doesn't <laughs> happen, it, and that's kind of it, it. Gave you this big this big hill to climb, yeah. and then it was like, nope, sorry. It's like she got a small cut, and mm-hmm. I to be honest. I don't think the rabbit bit her. I think she got herself with the scissors. That's what really? I think happened. She missed. I, just, 
I think she missed. Um, she missed. Hmm. The rabbit fought back. Whatever, whatever goes through your head, but that's kind of he what wiggle I see. wobbled his way out well, of there. Cause... He did. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Well, what, well, what I like, what I like about the rabbit scene was the the contrast between what we first got with her and the rabbit, and then afterwards, which was everything was kind of planned out. Like she knew what she was doing. She was had a goal, right? And so it's, it kind of gives it a serious tone while still looking innocent because like, you know, she has a purpose, I guess is what you can say. Right. And then when you cut the scene right after she's at the sink with her hand being washed, acting like a little kid, her dad's treating her like, you know, it kind of just cuts it with a knife. Cause it's like, it was kind of purposeful and serious. And then now we're back to like, Oh, this is just like normal life. Her dad's taking care of her. And it's just a big contrast. If you ask me. A hundred percent. This gave me hereditary vibes with Charlie and her little wanting to cut the birds' heads off and shit. But it's like it's it's also what you just said described it as the contrast of and the goal because she did look a little menacing. She looked a little menacing, <laughs> a little scheming. And when you find out about Nature Club later, it makes a thousand percent sense. And yeah, okay, so. They have the uh, what is that festival called exactly? I just watched this today, a few yeah. hours ago, so I forget. It's the Harvest Festival. Yeah, Feast of Fools. This Feast of Fools ceremony does remind me of Mardi Gras, which we celebrate in Louisiana every year. Uh, the costumes, the jovial nature of it, it the party aspect, but everybody also- drunk peeing on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you plus know- the extreme <laughs> small town nature of things too. Yes, right, right. Uh, which I is of that. I like the how blending later, of the blending of folklore and religion. That's I, I like, a big thing here. I like how also. later Ida's still celebrating Mardi Gras and she's peeing all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. That well, this exorcist yeah. vibes, bro. Yeah, well, this big party though, this big party that in a town where I I didn't get the vibe that the whole town was still like farmers and still doing their things. I mean, people had chickens and things like that, but it it it's also struck me as more of a modern town so as a as a more modern town to still have this throwback to our history and to still celebrate our history and and to have this big production where the whole town comes and you have a pint and you just enjoy yourself and the kids run around i mean i want to go live in barrow i want to go live there (laughs) i I, mean those things happen yeah like (laughs) i just would i would love it i would love it just because i love the the idea of a community connection um a little later not so much but uh, <laughs> right now I'm loving the idea of the community connection. I'm going to tell you what, bro, you come down here for Mardi Gras in February and Wayne Toops is our, um, fucking he's guy. our Lord of misrule. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he'll be on stage <laughs> being like standing in the rain and you'll be like, he who stands in the rain. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> we met along the back streets where we would not be seen. Our bodies full of passion. With love, our only dream. Dion flashed in our hotel room, but I never complained until the night you left me standing in the rain. I wondered what had happened, afraid to call you home. So I spent the night in a local bar. But I had to drink alone I must have gotten in a fight Because I woke up bleeding with pain I had the midnight sun with you Now I'm standing in the rain
One thing I did notice that I want to point out is that when they're in the town and they're doing, they're kind of kicking off the ceremony and you have the the Lord of Misrule who is, who is trying to introduce the spirit. One of the things I noticed, and I don't know if this was intentional, but it really stood out to me, is that we have all these townspeople in this big production and Henry is the only one that has his cell phone out recording. Nobody else is doing that. He's the non. Yeah, I mean, he's the he's the pure outsider, you know. He's yes. and he, you know, he's a poor guy. Um, but you know, she's 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 or Rebecca's, you know, part of the town, sort of. Uh, she's trying to be by leading everybody. Um, and then Grace, as we discover, is definitely been indoctrinated into the town. But Henry's the pure outsider, so for him, this is all just funny games. I like what happens that night at the festival where Grace goes dis like vanishes. She disappears and 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 Rebecca sees her go with the person who was disguised as Galagog, the bad the quote unquote bad demon deity that we're casting out for our festival, our feast of fools. And what we find out later in the film, I'm jumping a little bit, but again, it's just this is just the more rambunctious nature of this this particular midnight ritual. Um you find out later that What's his, uh, Derry Nash? Is that his name? Yeah. This character, you suspect throughout the movie, and so does Rebecca, has abducted her daughter so much so that they, they do, she does some sleuthing. I, I wanted to say they like include Henry. He accompanies her, but she does some sleuthing and finds out about this guy and, and uses some footage to see him talking to Grace at the, um, the edge of the woods where she disappeared. And, Oh man, I want to save this part, but I want to say it so bad. This dude was trying to warn Grace, not lead her off. And, and that's something that, again, listeners, you need to, if you're listening this far in and you haven't seen the movie yet, stop the show and go watch the movie. Trust me. Um, I can't stress that enough, but I just love the, the different mystery elements that were presented. Once the movie started playing out, I was a like misdirect because I was fully bought in that he was a bad guy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it was a good little misdirect. I appreciated it. That's Ralph's son, by the way, in real life. Oh my God. Really? Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He, he did not get the voice. Sorry. He son did. Of, <laughs> son of Ralph. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry there, son of Ralph. <laughs> you did not, you did not inherit the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> no, no deep smoky calloused gullet for you, <laughs> you talk, dude tom waits hears that man's voice and is like oh my god <laughs> like, <laughs> um so okay so the festival happens gracie goes missing now rebecca is on her journey she's trying to figure out how how her daughter went like who took her daughter she, she does the sleuthing right um I feel I feel like I want to jump a bit because I do have questions. Grindhouse, you had some questions though. I don't want to jump too far before we get to some questions. Um, okay, thank you. Um I wanted to talk about the role, especially with the character of Ida, that laughter played in this. Yeah. Um set the scene ha- up, please, though, if you're gonna talk about that part. Well, there's a whole bunch of scenes where we have the townspeople are all coming into the house to drop off food and drop off cakes and but there's a bunch of them, and especially Ida, who is continually laughing. And for me, and this is coming from a hardcore 
practicing agnostic on a good day. That had Ecclesiastes two two all over it to me. <laughs> um, well, that's what I took away from it. I just like, and it's like, okay, so it's laughter, and then laughter ultimately is madness. Um, so that really played with me because I got thinking about it, and I'm like, there, there, this is being used in a, a super super interesting way. But then I also wonder about, um, you know, the Gallo Gog, and if that has anything to do the name, if you know if that has anything to do with like coming out of the dictionary of um, obscure sorrows, if it comes out know. there at all. Okay. That, be, that's totally a Tom thing. Okay. I'd be really yeah. curious because I, I have a feeling it kind of does. Um, and in a, in the dictionary of obscure sorrows, um, a galagog essentially is defined as a state of being simultaneously entranced and upset by the vastness of the cosmos, which makes how you feel, most of the time or what you're experiencing almost laughably quaint. Like there's this big thing happening, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't really matter anyway. I, so I oh kind shit. Gallo dogs, of... cosmic <laughs> as fuck, bruh. That's kind <laughs> yeah! of. That's... Oh shit. Brent, you done made, you kind done of. made this movie a folk cosmic horror movie, dude. Good job. Well, and, and it was for me and I saw some other things, both, um, the Council of Three Fires I saw on there. I'm not sure if you're familiar. You're not in your head. Okay, so you're very familiar. And then also just all the lore surrounding the quote-unquote ring of fire and then what kind of happens around there. There are so many things where, and again, I'm not a lore guy. I, I like information and things. Lore is not my thing. This sound like a lore guy. <laughs> well, I'm starting. I, I, I might be a converted lore guy at this point because it's like, but it just, uh, so much of this just blew me away with, just these little nods here and there to these things where it's like, I, I know what that is. I get the visual representation. I need to know a little bit more about it. And then when I did my research, it's like, I, I'm not going to claim you were talking to me, but I think you were talking to me. So oh, just saying. Yeah. The Brent, it's yeah. not a coincidence. That's okay. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of Perfect. my favorite things to do after watching a movie that makes me think and, and like gives me that lasting impression is to do research on it and especially for the show like let's say we did this episode six months from now like a three-hour like full-on nightclub episode that's the kind of stuff that he did in five minutes i would do as well and try to try to like get down to the nitty-gritty of things because this movie has so much to unpack especially for folk like, like folks like us that like deep diving things really like to to get down to it so to move the movie a little bit forward, yeah, the 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 townsfolk are trying to be as nice as they can, and mm -hmm. um, I like the Henry where Henry tells her he's like their heart's in the right place, you know, right? And he's he's a little disbeliever the whole time. When when whenever um Tom Deville was writing all this, or after he wrote it rather, um, you got presented the script, correct? Yeah, yeah. And so you're reading all through all this. And are you looking as you're reading through it? I'm trying to get the impression of like the first time read is like you're reading it. You're following it. Is Henry like to you a, a naysay character, a slightly doomed character? Because that was the vibe I was getting from Henry is like at some point because of your standoffishness. And this makes me think of a movie called The Cellar from last year that not a lot of people have seen, but it was on Shudder and I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and it, it was, was a co it was a cosmic 
folk horror <laughs> math movie. It was a math horror movie, which is fucking insane. Um, but it had all those elements, and it had that Fulci ending. That's the main thing I remember. Yeah, dude, that bleak as fuck ending. <laughs> I think this movie kind of. Well, well, we'll we'll get to the ending. We'll get um, to it. But um, when you're reading through the script, did you see Henry as like this doomed character or definitely? Uh, and and part of that too is is like not just doomed, but just like a um somebody who who's too trusting and 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 too um too good almost you know and and maybe not that bright in a way and <laughs> i was gonna and, say kind of a dullard yeah like <laughs> that's you know it, it's like when you're working with actors a lot of times they, they you know nobody wants to hear that about their character but it's like that's okay you know it's that he doesn't pick up on things the way he should um and it's not because he's a bad guy he's just you know he just it's not and it's not that he's a um and sleuth or anything, you know, and doesn't believe it for any reasons other than he's, it's like, man, wake up, you know, like what she's saying is true. I feel like I will say at at, at the end of him, like he knew what was about to happen and he manned the fuck up. He knew what was about to happen before I knew. I didn't realize they were about to do uh... It's so funny for someone (laughs) that's such a dollar. Not until someone who's, yeah. Pull that yeah. bag out of that bucket, bro. Yeah, I didn't bro. know yeah. that was about to yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> For someone who was so oblivious, like he knew what was about to happen. He was like, Hey, just just look away. Just look away. I'll be quiet. I, I was I'll like, tell you, yeah, fuck. yeah. That was like his audition, by the way. Yeah. Oh, was it not? Nice? Oh my god. <laughs> what a how what did a you... scene to audition? Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that, and you know what it is, it's, it's, so, it said the thing about dullard, but probably weak was really the word. Whereas, and it doesn't matter because in that scene, he's the strongest character in the movie. Yep. So it's right. okay to be weak because he, you know, redeems himself in that moment. So, well, that, that's well, why I asked about I, him. I want to, I want to ask you how many tapes of, of dudes like, burning to death with a bag on their head you had to watch i think <laughs> i think we we did um six takes or three takes with two cameras so six but, oh no 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 but, no but for the auditions, auditions. oh <laughs> no no burning for the auditions oh okay. <laughs> either way watching that six times is wild <laughs> yeah i would imagine that y'all got like a hundred guys that were kneeling on the floor going screaming oh yeah, <laughs> well, that was the worst part about it, right? Is like at the end they had to do the the dying part, which yeah, their face is going to be covered. It's going to be on fire. It's it's going to do itself, you know. But right, um, right. yeah, I mean, I've got I've got thirty auditions, you know. The, the reason I asked oh. about Henry though is because I kind of related to him a bit. Like I feel like I'm the guy that would be trustworthy of everyone that has on the on the you know face value good intentions, and I would want to be believing that and for sure, my, my for heart sure. would want to go there so it's kinda... easy to relate with relate with henry in this situation because you're you're in a strange place and why do you you don't just have reasons to feel that way about people right until you see it which yeah. i knew the fucking cops were in on it like as soon, i was like this boy ain't worried about shit no well, he's worried about his tea yeah well, that's a but that's such a valid point about his character because and and definitely what you said earlier makes me really cement this in my head that no matter what he did in this town because he was adjunct to the vicar you know he was 
he was always going to be something of an outsider. Even when people came to his house and tried to deliver all this food and do whatever else, it's like they kind of brushed past him coming in the house and said, Oh, she's in here. Let's talk to her. So he was always, he was always kept at arm's length, almost both wife in the story. And then secondarily from everybody in the town. Well, they all knew what was going to happen. You know, they knew he was part of it, part of the ritual. He just didn't know it. But so oh, they're just like, they here, have him. some beer, bro. See you later. Oh, put these, <laughs> yeah. put, put, yeah, these exactly. put these down your neck. Put these down your neck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. You ready to become part yeah. of the folktale? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pretty well, much. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the one moment where, if for me anyway, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, when they walk in the house and a guy hands you a, you know, hands you a, basically a four pack of pints and is like, put these down your neck. And it's like, he just wants you docile for later. Like he wants you, he wants you compliant. And I, I still loved it though. That whole, that whole scene with the whole town coming in and all the food and everybody talking. And it, it had this odd function of both telling me the future and making me okay with the present. It was, <laughs> it was so good. Um, And it, it made me comfortable, but also sort of like got the hairs in the back of my neck. Like, Hmm. Okay. I like the I like the title card stuff with the the gift of yes. hair, the gift of blood, yes. the gift of fire, like that all set every and it was day one, day two, day three. It, it it's like it made me think of Majora's Mask, the Legend of Zelda, like and I, that's a video game on the sixty four, but it it had this quality to it, especially with the town though. It's all around Clock Town and the the characters within, and it just gave me so so many vibes in this movie. To to kind of like I want to I want to talk a little bit about um, Galagog and where this movie ends up going for 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 everyone here um, and for myself because again this is the type of movie I was hoping Midsommar was going to turn into and it it stayed more because this movie becomes fantastical right like it does and I love that aspect. I personally love that aspect. And that's the way I interpret it is that this shit is real. This is really happening. And mm. I love that. Um uh, Midsommar was more grounded and it stayed just like this is these folk people's beliefs and this is what they're drugging people and everything else and cool and gore some cool effects and everything but but not not necessarily what I was hoping for with a folk horror movie. After watching the ritual, because <laughs> the rich this this movie yeah. gave me big ritual vibes at the end and apostle and and apostle. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I you keep you keep you keep throwing it in there. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting it. So Rebecca knows the town is in on this shit. She knows that they are they are behind it all. Henry is slowly coming to realize when he calls to find out about his daughter's missing persons report that it has never been filed. Basically. And he's like, holy crap. Um, Galagog is an ominous creature that you get a glimpse of twice, I think, before the final act of this movie. You get like his hands in the chicken coop before Ida starts exorcist pissing herself. And then you get, you get, um, an image of him enduring one of Rebecca's dreams or visions in the forest. And that gave me, that gave me Black Mountainside vibes with the deer god. Yeah. If you haven't seen Nick Shostakovsky's Black Mountainside, it's on Tubi. I highly recommend you go watch that movie. It's a very indie horror film, and it's very fucking good, very cosmic, very the thing. And folk, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's folky and cosmic. Yeah, yeah, it's very the thing, and it's very The Shining. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant film. 
but before, while we're on the subject of Crazy Ida, mm-hmm. I I just love me a bloody chicken fetus, man. Like those, <laughs> those those egg effects were so gnarly. How did y'all? So how did y'all, How'd y'all get the blood to perfectly circle around the bowl like that? It, that just that's just what happened when he did it. Oh it my separates. god! The blood stays separate from the uh, yeah. So so yeah, the blood and the feet, little fetus or or, or chicky was was in in this <laughs> broken egg. You know, poor chicky. <laughs> That is yeah. movie magic that you didn't intend, eh? For for, yeah, for the I mean, blood you know, to circle the bowl perfectly like that. Yeah, yeah. That's no, amazing. I mean, that 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 was something that definitely happened. Um yeah. That was that that's was that's one that, cool thing about this movie too. It's like he does this thing with his hands, this yeah. symbology. Right. Kind of thing. And um and there was a point in the movie when another character was gonna do it. And I had to call Ralph and I was like, what was that? Would you send me a picture of how you did that? I go, I don't remember. And he was like, well, you're the one that showed me how to do it. And it wasn't in the script. <laughs> and I, cause at one point I was like, just stand here and do something. And, and he came up with, and it's like a GG is what it is, like Galagog. And um, so those are like oh, those kinds. And then every time you see him, he's, he's doing this in these kind of uh, subtle ways, but it was mm-hmm. something that. That we the were able to gang signs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the set, bro. Throwing the set up. Oh, yeah. dude. God. I'm yeah. ready to worship Galagog right dude, now. Galagog's <laughs> my guy, man. Oh. Gang. The thing with the eggs, though. The thing with the eggs. So Gnarly. I, yeah. I, I get I get eggs from a local farm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And every one in every three dozen, you will crack open. And it ain't an egg. So that hit me particularly hard. I mean, and I, it's, and mostly because it's so real world and it does occasionally happen. And it's like, you you crack it and you're like, and it's not. We used to have, we used to raise chickens and dude, like, like I never had a full on little chicky in there, but (laughs) you know, every couple of eggs had a little blood spot. We, we just got over it. You know, that's just the ones that got fertilized. Yeah, but, and it's you know in, in real life when it happens, and especially, I mean, in in the in the purest of things, like, do you want your cake or don't you? Right. It's like <laughs> when it happens, then oh yeah, it's it it is something that can turn your head, or I'm sorry, turn your day on its head like that, and there's no recovering from it. There's just no Red cake. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Red sponge. velvet for everyone. And yeah. sponge oh. cake. <laughs> don't you want your sponge cake? Yeah. Bro. Exactly. Oh. And she starts yeah. laughing again. I love Ida. Ida's that's, the best. Yeah. That's that's Man. the laugh that's the laughter piece. And that it got me again. And that's why I said like Ecclesiastes too, too. The the laughter is madness. I, I it stuck with me and I could not get away from it for anything. Um so towards the end of the movie, Rebecca has to make a decision. All right. Um the she she finds out about Nature Club where the children are being indoctrinated in this town of Barrow. They are finding out about the old legend of of Galagog, and they are succumbing to the whim, the wills, the the sacrifice, as the 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 gifts, the offerings, all the fucking cool folk shit. And so she full on slaps a child. That happens. Uh, I laugh so hard. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 movie has elements of um something that that hits home for me with child in danger in horror films that that fucks with me on a, a certain emotional level so thank you for that um hell yeah 
and, and Tom DeVille and everyone involved who made this movie. I, I know you're here representing the film and, and you are the director, but thank you to everyone who made this movie and for bringing out certain emotions. But when she slapped the child, uh, yeah, I I know it is. It's like God damn, and and on on that level, it's funny. But but also, I was Bro, like, I was waiting Fuck. for it too. I was like, oh no, they've been they've been saying ass too much. Slap that kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stick it up your ass. <laughs> that well, that that chant was wild. That was I mean, it, and you don't become see a something. cult. That's going to become a cult. It, thing. it, it completely is. Yeah. yeah, and and for and for Alexa <laughs> for Alexa Goodall, the actress there, taking one to the chops like that. I mean, that I, might, I, that might there was be nothing. I didn't believe there. Nothing. That I didn't might, believe. that might be this year's evil dies tonight. Well, that will, I, for every second grade teacher in the world, that will give them nightmares to hell and gone. Right? So, oh yeah. <laughs> when the, when the kids circle their desk and start chanting up your ass. Yeah. You, you got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with that? Was that in the script? Stick it up your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. nice. Tom yeah, DeVille, nice. shout out. I want to talk to you. That is um, yeah. brave that's amazing. Writing. That's it's amazing. Brave, it's brave writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Rebecca finds out that the town's all in on it. Everybody's in on it. And she goes to tell Henry about it. Henry's dismissive until the child report thing. And then he's like, okay, no, I believe you now. Because he goes to the vigil for Grace. And they're all there chanting um, as yeah. was... Oh shit! I fucked it up. Again. All is as as it was. All know? is as was. As All was. Is. And there's another thing like hair, fire, yeah, sun, uh, hair, blood, gone, fire, sun. And... All is as was. Gone in air. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, and y'all got All, All is as was. I think is it, it from the research that I did is honestly talks about the harvest and the harvest being the the thing the town has to depend on every single year, the thing that everybody coalesces around. Yeah. So all is as was means that we've had our harvests. We've now have uh, plowed fields and next year at a given time, we will have sown fields. So you know, that's, you, you know what it gave me vibes of it's like, cause I didn't, I didn't do the research for it like that, but just watching the movie and, and just my own head cannon, all is as was is like the old ways return and they always mm-hmm. will return yep. and you can't escape fate in a way you can't escape what's going to be because it always was it's like and Them that's old a mo- gods, bro. the old, old gods. gods it's a yeah, mind man. loop it's cosmic it's a cosmic mm-hmm. phrase to me yeah. and i dig the shit out of that so they're all mm-hmm. chanting that at the vigil for grace set piece of the movie Henry punches Ugh. the shit out of Innocent, but he don't punch the voice out because my boy's <laughs> like, I think you should leave. And uh-huh. then then Henry and uh, Rebecca's car gets firebombed at their house, and Henry gets captured. Derry Nash shows up with a ball cap on, looking like Jesse Lacey, in my opinions, um, and being like, let's get out of here. You, you got to go. You got to save your daughter. Um, I I have questions about him, but I'll, I'll save them for I'll table them for now. But um, so Rebecca. Before we get any further, can we talk about the fact that we see Ralph Innocent's butt cheeks? Oh, it's a, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. Him walking off into the woods trying to get to the black barn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was sitting there watching the movie, like, yeah, uh-huh. I, I I I I audibly applauded. 
And you'll, and you'll see, by the way, it's like the way he walks through the two trees. Um, he's like, I know how I want to do it because I'm going to, I'm going to do the Anya thing, you know, from the hands out. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you because that's exactly what I got. Well, and it's, and that was his idea. And I'm like, I love, I would never have said it it to him to do that, but, um, but I, I love the nod to her. Hell yeah. So dope. I love that you brought up his butt cheeks in this episode. Well, I had to. I had to. I'm I'm glad. When when was I ever going to bring it up? It would never happen. It's never (laughs) happened before, to my knowledge. So I'm glad it happened now. I don't think the world has been blessed with Ralph Innocent's butt until now. I'm just saying. Lord of Misrule gives you many things, including Ralph Innocent's buttocks. So you goddamn (laughs) right. All right. So Rebecca finally decides... After the head burning, we've talked about that scene. Poor Henry oh, becomes part poor of the folk, the folk tale. <laughs> and he, he, like Trev said, he mans up and, and he takes it silently. I don't remember him screaming at all. That is, he doesn't make a sound. And that is the craziest and most unsettling part of the whole thing is he tells her to turn away and he just takes it and he, he, he moves around a lot. He's definitely squiggling. The flame coming off of there is art it's just magic oh it looks so good and then he just falls and to to have a fate like that and not make a sound i mean from my chair for all of his shortfalls in this movie as a character complete redemption complete yep. the last thing i'd be screaming is nightclub that's all <laughs> oh. nightclub <laughs> and i'd be burning like sweet tooth you were oh, fair, <laughs> fair yeah. but but you might not be able to yell with that thing burning on your face anyway. Probably not. Probably not. Probably, you know. and, and honestly, you'd be pretty liquored up, so your whole body would burn pretty fast. Yeah, because I'd have yeah. drank, I'd have drank the beers they gave me. I really would have. <laughs> yeah, I'd have drank, I'd have drank that gasoline too if I knew what was about to happen to. <laughs> that you. was, dude. That was that was straight pitch they put on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep, that was that's what they said. Of, when oh, they part of the lore. Yep. Yeah, from under the, lore, the stage in the nature room. Yep. When he said that it's it was pitch, I was like, "Ooh, I like that." Because I've watched videos on YouTube on how to make pitch from trees. Um, I I, I don't know why that's something I'm interested <laughs> in, but I was, <laughs> I I just was, and um, so Henry is he get he gets killed, he he done killed, and Rebecca has to now decide. Okay, I gotta go full bore. I gotta I gotta go to the black barn. She starts chanting with the crowd out in the field with the three burning fires as as is what's going to happen. Like we've been seeing all the signs. There's signs left and right. Innocent was telling her earlier in the movie, look at the signs. Look, they're right here. It might Shyamalan directed them. And then now she's walking out. She fucking throws her. She pulls the hair off, throws it in the fire, walks into the forest up to the black barn. And my God, she finds her daughter. Does, Does she throw it in the fire? I believe so. Mm. Directors here. It. No, she keeps it. She keeps oh, it and pushes it to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the, yeah. I was about to say. Same yeah, race. that's why I was confused. Her straight up offering. Yep. And and Galagog's fetish, we're about to find out. So right. he's really into collecting hair. That's what he wants. He wants hair. <laughs> <laughs> so so we 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 just joke. So <laughs> just say we it's a comedy horror podcast. So no, Trevor's like, no, we're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the whole black barn thing and the black barn was the again, black barn is so dope because I'm I love not that a, scene though. Yeah, I'm not a lore guy. The black barn was a new thing to me, and so I had to research this. And literally, the black barn it it is an otherworldly building 
that appears, reappears throughout various times in history, but almost always bringing death and madness in its wake. I mean, and I'm sorry, that's outstanding. I mean, that. Oh, yeah, I love it. That is not something that, I mean, because I, I can, there are so many movies and so many different um, stories that I can think of where, if I'm honest with myself, even if they didn't call it out and call it the Black Barn, it had a Black Barn in it. You know, it had that building, which was the, you know, the focus or the thesis of whatever the evil might be. Um, and that is honestly just such a damn good way to put it. And it, it, it makes it coalesce in my head. It makes it perfect. It makes me just love it that much more. She does enter the Black Barn, the mythical Black Barn, and she's stepping on that soil. And I want to give a shout out to, I know Ricky was talking about this pre-show. The music in this movie is insanely amazing and very, it, it's, it's, that's why I thought it was a love letter to folk horror because it's mm-hmm. so folk, but so, and if you listen to this show back, you'll hear our intro music. I like to put the thuds in, those deep, heavy thuds when yeah. it's blended perfectly well with whatever music aesthetic you're going for but in this case a folk aesthetic and and the tension that goes with it and the sound design her just walking on the soil you hear it so i want yeah i I guess i wanted to know what is what is was there something specific about her walking on the soil inside the black barn that held some kind of significance because of well she's connected to the earth i'm assuming that's what I got, anyway. Yeah, and what you're saying about it being an otherworldly place, it's like she didn't just step into a barn, she stepped into, you know, kind of a vacuum of space, you know, like a different right. dimension almost. But, um, so yeah, it, it, it's not just a, it's not just a barn, right? It was, um, it was his, his place, Galagog. Gal- Galagog's realm? Yeah. yeah. She finds Gracie there, um, Grace, just basically becoming part of this realm to me in a way like she's all like tied in with the sticks and the shrubbery and the and the the roots the roots as we say (laughs) and and uh and her mom pulls the roots off and she's like i knew you'd come for me and but but he's there galagog is marching up behind her slowly menacingly she turns around rebecca turns around and sees the best rendition I've ever seen and I'm not I'm not taking a, a cheap shot I'm saying like this is in my mind what I picture a Wendigo looking like like the mythical Wendigo looking like this and it makes sense because the Wendigo is a spirit of the forest it's a, it's, it's a demon of the forest and they call this creature the spirit Galagog the whole movie um, and it's there in all of its glory I want to ask a question, and it won't—it won't take away from my enjoyment of what I saw. How much of that was practical, and how much of that was CGI? It was all CGI. Really? Wow, yeah. that was really all good of, CGI. That's incredible because I—I I was thinking something had to be like you at least had some basic practical yeah. stuff in there because that—I mean, it looks fucking good. Like it's, it looks it's, like a yeah. real thing in front of the camera. It's amazing, you know, what these guys can do. I mean, it's it's uh koala effects, you know. Shout out to those guys. Like they, you know, that's why they took the job, and that was what we spent all of our time focusing on, even though he was only in the movie for five shots, you know, or something, um, or in that sequence. But um is was making something that striking and and amazing. believable. Yeah. 
but at the same time, trying to create something like that in the real world, it, it, it's, it's, you know, he, it, him being not real uh, is, was part of the allure to me of, of creating him that way, you know? Um, and I'm glad you guys had that reaction to him. Oh, we're all fans of Dude. practical effects. And the fact that right. we thought that there was practical shit in this moment. I, I Yeah, I totally <laughs> thought y'all had something physically there. Because yeah, just the cage like... around her, her, her throne, that was there. Um, but no. Oh, he but there. when, when Galagog bows, right, no, it, bows was... his head and does what I thought was a horse nuzzling up right, to somebody right. and, and giving a little bit of a, you know, like almost like a <laughs> submission thing, I <laughs> yeah. thought that was a horse. So – yeah, I okay. I wish I had a horse that looked like that with like no eyeballs in the sockets. <laughs> Dude, like yeah. he's like a big no-eyed deer-headed Groot man and I love him. Oh god. Yeah. I thought was... I thought I, and that's a compliment that I think I'm trying to give right here. I'm not trying. I yeah. am trying to give it. I, we all are. Yeah, it's it, it across looks, the board. It looks yeah. real. Yeah. It looks like real. like he said we're we're normally like super big practical and we are. We're we're practical effect heads, but yeah. like this is like top notch CGI in my opinion. I yeah. thought for sure you guys had at least the head made or parts of the body and the head, some kind of puppetry, and then added CGI on top of it. There, there were a lot of things in the movie like that, and um, and you know some of it, it's it's the production designer. You know she she really kept trying to find real black barns and um. And same thing, like that, you know, didn't exist. And so for her, it was like when she saw the movie, she's like, I get it now. I get what you were saying, because the black barn was just a little green door in a field, you know. Um, so that kind of stuff, I mean, that's just part of the fun of making movies is is going, we'll create something amazing here. You know, we don't have time to do it now. We don't we, we haven't had time to design it, you know, fully. And uh but then having the time in post to really, really dial in what that's going to be. I mean, it's, it's just when it works, I love it. When it doesn't work, it's, you know, the worst. Um, but that's the mm-hmm. chance we take, you know, make a movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Maybe and, an experimental and, with art. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So after um, Galagog gives his horse nuzzle, Rebecca <laughs> offers up her hair and Galagog's like, that's all I wanted, babe. And that's all. And I look. I'm, uh, and I'm I wanted big... to ask about this. What is what is this? What does this mean? She's given her soul to him, basically. Yeah. She, she's just. This is just her giving herself to him, right? Yeah, like surrendering, surrendering okay. herself completely to That's... another god. When she's herself, obviously, uh, has a very strong connection to her god, and it's like right. he has, has to genuinely let that go, not just say I, it. I thought so, but I just wanted to make sure. That's interesting though, because then you get to the after the offering, and after our 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 buddy uh, well, goes to the go, well. But this is like, oh, this is this is important because I'm I'm really confused about this piece of it because our our buddy is offered up for the barbecue, but then she's allowed to go back and still be be preaching in her church, having given herself over, but at the same time. There's a which, couple of little subtle things. Her her bright red lipstick and her bright yeah. red nails, which if you again go back and into the fact lore, that the church is full now. Exactly. Instead of almost empty. 
Exactly. But she's got a little, and I, I, I'm, I'm using this term and if I'm incorrect, you guys correct me, but she's got a little whore of Babylon thing going on now. <laughs> so is that what was intended? Cause that the end really, the end screw with my head. So I'm interested before we jump right to the end though. I do want to, okay. she comes out the forest with grace's body. I grace looks dead to me. So I'm confused. I'm confused too, grindhouse. Cause I want to, I want to have that. Oh, interesting. Well, Okay. Because Grace looks dead to me, and she puts Grace's body down, and Michael Innocent's like, how dare you disrespect the pact that we made with Galagog? And she's like, I'm the Lord of Misrule now. I am right. the Princess Desots. And she's right. like, take him. And they fucking stay Archer, they my beat boy. The brakes off of that boy. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> well, thank you, Ricky. Hold, hold on. Thank you. That's we, what we, been we are for me to say. <laughs> You're skipping an important part though, because I do want to point this out. Was she has the conversation with our boy, and she's basically like, "Galagog sent you messages. Like right. he was waiting for you to call back, and you never came. Oh, so yeah. when he gave when he gave up his son." I think it was going to be the same kind of reaction that she got. If he would have went to Galagog like he was supposed to and done what he was supposed to, he would have been the true person in that position, right? He's the, been a the, phony this whole time. He's oh. a great so, big phony. And, and, she, and she says it. She's like, he tried to contact you and you never came. So she's like, I'm this person now because I went. I went into the Black Barn. You didn't. You just try to sow fear amongst the village for control, right. whereas I gave myself oh. up, and now I like, I'm in position of power. Right. I like uh, the way he dies too. What he says, boy, he's like to take my pain away. <laughs> yes, take my pain so, away. It's so a lie. No, okay. That's oh, that's that's so good, Trevor. Because uh, what I was thinking was that he was ultimately pain for his weakness and and his weakness to not go and do whatever it took to get his child where she did whatever it took to get her child yeah that's what he's so, saying and well, she yeah, so really she, gave it's, herself it's, to yeah. galagog unlike him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know well, and that's the yeah. part where i was a little like did she or didn't she that so that's the part that uh, this okay, is making she, more yeah. sense now Hello. She, well she, yeah. she did she fully gave herself to galagog i think he didn't he yeah. was a he was a little he was a little punk ass yeah. about it so, and what, what one thing I did think about with that, and I hope if y'all do a future movie that y'all can maybe address this for me, because it's just an idea I had while watching this, was I think it might speak to the history of their rituals and how they treated Galagog in the past and how it was used as a fear tool or a control tool mm. and the evilness of men, not necessarily Galagog, right? And I'm not saying Galagog isn't evil. I'm just saying... At the end of the day, Galagog didn't want your daughter. He just wanted supplication. You are the one that gave him his your son and let him die, right? So, right. like, who's really the fucked up person here? Damn, right? Trev. And that's, right. that's the feel I got when I watched that scene because I was like, man, Galagog's feeling less and less like the villain in this movie, and the guy that just got thrown into the fire is feeling more and more like the villain. You no, spitting fire, cuz. Sure. I like what you spitting, cuz. That was, I'll tell you guys, like, there was, um, a, when they watched the first cut, they were like, 
you should just cut out the scene when she comes back with the daughter. She goes because like the the climax was her facing Galagog, and I was like, Galagog's not the villain. Like he's the villain. He's the look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, so yeah. I was like, yeah. she has to face him because that's the guy who really is the bad guy of the movie. Mm-hmm. No, um, for so, yeah. sure, for sure. So ultimately, it's it really is the folly of man that is the villain. Uh, Brent Brent just solidified it. Then so innocent is the the folly of man. Innocent. You brilliant bastard. Um, <laughs> so Rebe- Rebecca gave herself up. She brought her daughter's body back. And so Brent, Brent was bringing up uh, his, his question at the end about what is really happening now in the village. And I want to know for my own sake, because this movie ends with Vicar Rebecca uh, Holland coming back to church and preaching to her flock, her bigger flock than ever, as Brent pointed out. And then her daughter, Grace, joins her by her side, and they hold hands as the movie ends. My question and Brent's question, what does this scene represent? And I want to know, is Grace alive? Well, I'll tell you like two things. Um, well, you asked two questions. But um, there, there was a, a, a analogy that I would kind of tell the cast, and as we were tweaking the script, as we were shooting – to where I heard somebody who was in the in the um, Irish Army, like the IRA, or and and they were like, you know, setting car bombs and stuff was not the way to really get power. The way to get power was to get somebody into the government, you know. And if you look at this town, you know, they've been trying to build their cult, but um, what better person to have as your leader than a person of God? So at the end of the movie, the whole you know, town is in the, in God's church, you know, which was originally the, the church that put their foot on the town. Mm-hmm. And so they have the, you know, so they chose like, do we want this guy who's going to get the whole town wiped out just like it happened 300 years ago to Tobias Braun, um, to where the church is going to be like, Are you guys taking kids? This guy's just too big. And, uh, and they're like, we can have her and she's a much better leader who can lead us to much you know, bigger glory. So in that respect, it's like the whole town is super pleased that, you know, they've made her misrule and she's the leader and they're doing it in the real church. Um, As far as one thing I ought to say, like what you'll notice is when she says, let us pray at the end, um, grace doesn't come out until everybody puts their head down. So the only person besides us who sees her daughter is her. So, mm-hmm. can't re- so I, I think it's it's up for interpretation as to whether or not she's alive. Fair enough. Nobody. I, I do. I her. so I, I do want to say earlier in the movie, um, the original Lord of Misrule. What's what's his character's name? Uh, Jocelyn Adams. Jocelyn. Jocelyn. Okay. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My memory's bad. Oh, when it comes to names. So no, I'm just he... laughing because I changed my name to it. On I got the you. Zoom call. That's, that's so, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so when he's in his house and everything like that, and and I know he does talk to his son even when she's in there with him. But right. there is a scene at the beginning where he's like leaving, and as it pans through the thing, his son is sitting like on the right side. Right? Yeah. I'm not wrong about yeah. that. Right? No, you're not wrong. I so, saw that too. So. That's so right. So I saw that and like he was talking to it. So I kind of characterized that with her daughter also, whereas like her daughter was the same thing that his son was for him in the church. You just found an Easter egg, Trev. Well, Holy that's shit. 
Well, yeah, but that's part of that's part of giving yourself over, though. Is that even though your kid has been sacrificed, they still get to be in your presence? That's what I took away from it. Yeah. You st- well, you I think still that's get one of the gifts, them. right? You still, it's the yes, gifts. Yes, you still get yeah. to feel them. Yep. Oh yep. man, that's making this movie another layer deeper and crazier. Yep. And I cannot <laughs> wait to watch it again. Wow. There's yeah, you'll find another one of those um, his kids in another shot. Challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you guys one thing um, is, is, and I'm sure you don't know this, but um, you're talking about the two old, the two old ladies, um, the triplets. And, um, but originally Jocelyn, you know, you can tell by the name was also an old woman. And, um, and we were in London casting and, you know, trying to find somebody to embody that role. It was it was a challenge, and I knew I wanted Ralph in the movie, and I was going to go see him for beers, and I sent him the script and to see kind of like what he was attracted to in the movie, and um, and he was like, ah, I'll be the you know I'll be the green man, which is the guy that comes out at the beginning of the festival, and uh, which I thought was cool because he was just coming off the Green Knight. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty. If you wanted to, play, it's like a cameo, really. Right. And um, but right before I went and saw him, I I you know I asked the producer. I was like, I think I want. Ralph. I'm going to ask Ralph if he'll play Jocelyn. And um, so we still refer to her as a, as a woman. Um, we didn't, you know, we were going to change her name. We decided not to change her name. Ralph and I were both like, we're just attached to this yeah. name. So it was very, uh, would have been a very different movie if that would have not been I, him. I think you made, oh. I think you made the right call. Oh God. I think, yes. I think he's yeah. a natural, God, he did he's a natural a cult leader. He's yeah. great. Oh fuck. Yeah. was lord of misrule and my gods uh we 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 covered a lot we didn't we we wanted to sink our teeth in a little bit more on this one because there's so much to unpack with this movie but that's why you have to go see it in theaters rent it video on demand december 8th 2023 if it's if you're listening to this it's out so go see it go see it right now i want to i want to talk about some final thoughts and ratings final thoughts from me this movie gave me, like I said, it's a love letter to folk horror. I think, I think this is, um, and this is just my impression. It's a stew. It's a stew of folk horror. It's just blending everything together. And a lot of things we talked about tonight have broadened my view on it. Um, from Brent making it cosmic to Trevor mm-hmm. making it fucking uh, like other aspects of the film completely make sense to me in a way I never even considered while watching it the first time. I want to go ahead and say tonight, this is the best folk horror film I've seen in years, and I've been waiting for it, and um, Shudder recently put out their uh, three-hour folk horror documentary. I forget what it was called. I forget the title, but but horror heads out there are going to know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a big horror doc. This movie is in the echelon for me in folk horror film. What y'all did was brilliant. And for me this year, this movie is a 10 out of 10. Straight the fuck up. I'll go next because I'm just going to echo Travis, um, literally. Like, I had, like, the same things to say. This was already... This already came in hot, and it's folky. Brent made it cosmic, so what are you going to do? 
Uh, <laughs> it's brilliantly acted. The fucking music, man. It's not often that I think to myself I should get this soundtrack, the score on vinyl or whatever. But I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to because I love it. Visually, it's great. The fucking pacing is perfect. The payoff is wonderful. It's a 10. It's a 10. And uh, again, to echo Travis, it's the best thing in folk horror that I think we've seen in a few years, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're all coming in hot at a 10. I'm, I'm coming in at a 10 also. Uh, I do want to reiterate that I, I do think this is going to be a good um, beginner horror movie for people that haven't gotten into the genre. Um, sure. I think I, my daughter's going to love this. Aspect. And I don't think the gore's a lot. Because, like, so my daughter's right, watched all right, Stranger like, Things. Right, So right. She's, she's seen, like, Beckner tentacles and all this other shit, right? So, like, I don't think it's outside the range. So I think it's perfect for her. I loved it. I was massively surprised by it. I love me a good folk horror, but the storytelling, um, the feel of the movie, the, the soundtrack, everything would just hit me on all levels. Um, the nightclub tends to do an end of the year list of their top for 2000, whatever, which will be 2023. Quick shout out listeners. Wait for that. Uh, this movie <laughs> is currently at the top of my list. Boom. Whoa. Okay. Now Boom. I've only, I've only seen about 30 or 40 horror movies that come out in 2023 and everyone else has probably seen like double that by now because we're in November. Um, but you made my top. So I just want to let you know. You, you did you. the damn thing with me. And, and I have seen some of your previous movies, but now I'm going to go back and watch all of your your catalog <laughs> because you convinced me that I need to. That's amazing. Oh, just nice. say. Nice. I just wanted to bring up, Rebecca is such a strong, awesome heroine also. She's brilliant. She's just a brilliant character. I, I forgot to mention that while I was doing my rating. She does the sleuthing. She she don't care what no one she's says. She's great. And I love when she gets mad. She's like, kindly fuck off. It's <laughs> the best. Yeah. <laughs> GHC, what you think? Uh, okay, well, I, I also like strong heroin. Uh, so that's <laughs> a good thing. Um, okay, so, so lore-wise, lore right? I, I, I love the fact that we had a female vicar because it made me think about religion. Um, that was super fun for me. Um, the Black Barn, a totally new thing for me. I, it, having to look it up and having to just understand it, what it is in the lore and what it is as a, a portal to another place where you, you can step through the doors and have no idea where you're going to end up. Um, I'm finding myself a huge fan of um, the hymn of Galagog. So thank you for your part in writing that because it is fucking brilliant. Um, it's... I. I'm a big fan of English and Irish folk music, so it it it, it fits. It's it just, it fits and it gives me the vibe that I love out of the whole thing. Uh, going through this thing, like I said, Ecclesiastes, uh, the Council of Three Fires, even just the Ring of Fire, and I mean, in the Ring of Fire is is ultimately kind of basic between uh, like all of the different things, but everybody knows what it is, and everybody it, it signifies something so different depending on who you are. Um, I don't like lore fundamentally um, before tonight. Um, now I do. I do like lore. Uh, it, it, this movie is brilliant on every level. Um, the writing is brilliant. The characters are brilliant. The acting is brilliant. The casting was brilliant. Um, there are so many people who are perfect for their place. Um, I love Ida. I love Ida. <laughs> she, 
She made yeah. me so happy at so many points in this movie, and it's oh, rare. It's, it's rare for me to be happy with what you might call a side character, um, but what they bring to the table, it was super impressive. Now, I'm going to say again, I think at the end, I really think we've got a horror Babylon feel with the bright red lipstick, blood nails. Um, I love Trevor's point about how everyone's bowing their heads to pray, so maybe not everybody sees. Uh, that the daughter is back. I it, that honestly, that thought kind of blew my mind. It wasn't something that popped in there. Same, same. Um, yeah, yeah. If I if I had to be the voice of reason in this whole god awful thing we call the nightclub, I can realistically only give this movie a ten. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like too much, guys. It's too much. <laughs> no, no. Look, it's, bro. No, it's we, no, it's not too much. It, it, it is rare to have a movie that is this good, and I, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to polish your knob because I don't do that because I think it's disrespectful to you. Mm-hmm. This movie is very good. We said earlier, I think this is going to be the sleeper horror hit of 2023. Yeah, he did. He said that in the private chat. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be yeah. the thing Fair that enough. people are going to be talking about Like after this comes out. Yep. It's going to be a big thing because what what is happening here is fucking... It, well, we say it, but it's dope as fuck. And th- how articulate can we be? But it's dope as fuck. This movie is fucking dope, man. You've got this amazing folk horror film, Grindhouse. I'm so happy you came in with that score. Grindhouse doesn't give tens to things. Um, we do like like me, Ricky, like girls Tra- uh, hand out thin mints. You give. Tins. I do too. Yeah. Yes. It's just it's if we enjoyed it. Hey man, it's awesome. But when it goes to a deeper level like this movie, this movie is the kind of movie I would put on the scale of like a Skinnamarink, an Outwaters for me for this year. Like this is right where it's hitting my sweet spot. I think it hit all of our sweet spots tonight. So I want to ask you, which is rare. Well, Well, not that we all like a movie, but that we all come in so high. Right. You know what I mean? I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask William Brent Bell. Where do you come in with your final thoughts and ratings on your own film? Man, it's funny um, because I watch the movie like twice a week and yeah. like, still. And I don't. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I'm, you know, if I can't sleep or something, you know, like I'm of that belief of kind of, well, don't force it and go do something. So I'll come out to my studio and then I'll just end up turning the movie on and watching it. And for me, that's just a it's a weird like mirror of how I feel about the movie without, you know, cause I love all my movies like kids, but it's been a weird experience about how I can enjoy watching it. And, and for me, it feels like a really complete thought. And so in hearing you guys kind of respond this way, you know, makes me feel really good. So I really appreciate well, it. Well, I wanted to ask you because this one really, it feels like a passion project. And so one of my first questions, which I forgot to ask because I'm a dullard, was, uh, (laughs) is this your favorite film that you've made? But then you compared all your films to your kids. And now I feel weird. Well, no, but right. Like, um, but they're not my kids. So they're not humans. They don't have feelings. But um, yeah, I mean, um, the you know, movies are so different. Like, like Orphan First Kill has a whole different thing going on that I love about it that doesn't exist in this movie at all so it's comparing different pieces parts of the spectrum mm-hmm. of horror really but um yeah i mean i'm 
I'm most proud of this movie, which I think kind of maybe is the answer, which is kind of the same, um, because I feel the least amount of regret <laughs> over, you know, uh, uh, something that didn't come to fruition the way that I wanted it to, um, which which happens, you know, all the time. It's always difficult to take swings and, and for them to connect. And so with this, we really, and, you know, the producer's, were so great in allowing me to take a lot of time to kind of really fine tune everything. And nice. that's what I mean by it feels like a, um, a real cohesive voice to me. And I don't mean a voice from a filmmaker's perspective, but um, it feels like a complete thought. So I don't, I don't look at anything, you know, like you guys were talking about, whatever, Galagog, you talk about any aspect of casting. And I, I don't have, any regrets or any um, anything I could wish I could go back and fix or do better uh, in a way, you know, it, wow. it, like a movie that I, that was um, a complete thought is, it, which is, is that's the highest praise you can give it. Well, my, I mean, that's, that's about my fair. Own, but, yeah. yeah. But that's fair because like I said, it really felt like something that it felt like a passion project. Like it felt like something that would have, could have been crafted over. Years. I don't know years yeah. you know it felt like something that and could it have was taken six years eight years i don't they know how went, long they, it takes to make a movie well they went through the whole pandemic you know? trying to make this movie and and then they yeah. they came back on the other side and made the damn thing so mr mr bell it's a it's a 10 right it's a 10 oh sure yeah yeah I'll give it a 10. <laughs> so that's a 10 no, from me. That's a 10 from Grindhouse, a 10 from Ricky, a 10 from Trevor, a 10 from the director. It's rare for a movie to have this amount of heart and this amount of animus at the same time and <laughs> make a story that you get to the end of it. And even though there's been some good family dynamic, there's been some good mystery, there's been some really good fuck you in it. It feels cohesive as hell, but it also tells me that it might have a little bit more to tell me later. And mm. I I love movies where – and I'm going to call a spade a spade here. There might be a sequel in the future, but if it doesn't happen, I my heart's still full. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say this feels like a one-off, but you know yeah. that's just – but you feel that way about all the greats, right? And then they make the sequels, and then finally you get to – Galagog in space. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where we're going to go. Um, I want to thank you very much, William Brent Bell, for being on the nightclub, visiting with us and talking about your latest project. We we would love to have you back for your next film um, if, if that ever happens, like if you feel like coming on. Um, oh, thought, not that you won't make another film, just that you might talk. Right, to that's again. what I meant. That's okay. what I meant. Be that's what I meant. So, right, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, this man's made over three hundred million bucks at the box office. Cause he he he's gonna keep making movies. Um. So yeah, definitely. No, I meant come back and talk to the nightclub. We we loved it. So thank you very much, and everyone go see Lord of Misrule. It's out in theaters and video on demand, December eighth. Well, if you're hearing this, it's out now. So. Go watch the movie. What are you there's waiting also, for? There's also the cut that Travis leaked, but that's a different thing. No. Bullshit. So. Well, uh, <laughs> you saying, I mess with you. I mess with you. I no, did not it, do that yeah, shit. It, no, you did not. You did not. No, this is a, a, 
a rare movie when we talk the about it. First and big even, guy we get on here, and, and he even makes this even kind of when joke. we're even when we're talking about it in our Discord, <laughs> this is the funniest part to me. This is because because when we talk about movies in the Discord, we tend to be awfully truthful, and everyone it, it, like it. Most of the sentiments started with "Wow," and then "Did you see that?" It, it, it was fun to to watch a movie that was so good, but also as a group for us as a podcast. Mm-hmm. to bring us all together on a great level and it really did that and yeah we are not we're all working stiffs no <laughs> one here's making any money doing this we we do it because we love it and these are the movies that make us do this so i pay i pay for it all <laughs> <laughs> um but it but... does all the editing yeah, yeah. Uh, well <laughs> embrace the old ways and keep it deep like ralph innocent and gang gang <laughs> Gallo gang Gallagher gang Alright, I'm Trevor This is the nightclub We're all governors <laughs> down here <laughs> We're all governors in Barrow <laughs> That's right <laughs> Hey bruv Hey brother Brother Brent, you got something to say? Give us a lock of your hair, bruv Brent In Brees, a sweet nuzzle From a horse-faced wendigo <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> And have a good night's sleep thank you guys for having me on the show and um yeah he stands in the fields and waits he stands in the fields and watches watch lord of misrule stay spooky bitches and all is as was all is as was baby Ah!